0: new episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. The Detroit Pistons select Sekou Dubuya. The boy gets run right off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. jam. Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes! Hey everyone. Uh, welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and it's just me tonight. Uh, not anything that there's anything wrong with that. You guys seem to like the, the solo pods and uh, they're easy. Well not easy. I still gotta like write out the whole script and do everything. But uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to bring on a guest when like nothing has happened with the Pistons functionally since Sunday. And so uh, yeah, just uh, just me talking about some some stuff that's going on with our Detroit Pistons. Uh, the big news obviously is that they play their third preseason game of the year and their first road game of the new preseason um, tomorrow. well actually like, Today, by the time you're listening to this, but tomorrow, uh, in Washington D.C. against the Wizards, um, that'll be an interesting matchup. We already got the uh, the news that we're going to see some Bradley Beal, so that'll be a great test for the uh, the young team. Uh, prior to the game, we prior to the team like taking off, I think that we we got some photos of them uh, heading onto the team plane. Prior to them taking off, they had some media availability. Uh, Dwayne Casey said some interesting stuff. So. Kind of gonna get into that. Uh, Dwayne said, like, don't read too much into the preseason rotations, and that the battle at shooting guard, the quote unquote battle at shooting guard, will play uh, will carry into the season. Uh, to me, that sounds a lot like we're not gonna see Sphynx Kai Luke starting until later in the year after. Dwayne is more confident in Killian Hayes' uh, ball handling slash like offense generation abilities. Either that or they feel like they can get uh, some of that from Jeremy Grant as well. I know a lot of people are very frustrated with where Jeremy Grant is and uh, may maybe more accurately like is not with his offense right now, but uh, if he does end up popping, I feel like that Uh, enables you to put another uh, shooter into the lineup uh, like Sfi. But uh, in order for them to get away with that, though, like Killian needs reps doing that because he's never done it at the NBA level before. You know, Jeremy Grant needs reps doing that because he's never really done it at the NBA level before. And so it makes sense that Casey would prioritize, uh, you know, playmaking and uh, ball handling, especially in a starting lineup that uh, has, you know, already got a lot of really great passers in it, in Killian, in Blake, in Mason Plumley, like for a big man, he's a pretty good passer. Um, and so like, yeah, you, it, it makes some degree of sense. And the other thing that you really want to factor in is that Dwayne Casey just really apparently trusts Daylon Wright. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I've rewatched both preseason games twice that's how uh that's how long it's basically been since the the team played is i had time enough to rewatch both preseason games twice and i didn't really see much of delon right in either preseason game he obviously played better in the second preseason game but still didn't show me a whole whole lot um but i sort of understand the theory of where Dwayne is coming from with that so I'm not super duper torn up about it. As long as Svi is getting his minutes, right? Like that is the, that's the thing that is more concerning is that starting Daylon right is somehow like blocking Svi Mikhailov. Like S- Svi is the best shooter on the team, point blank period, and getting great spacing and uh, accurate shooting is imperative for the development of all the other guys on the roster. And so Svi absolutely needs to be playing he didn't play a lot in the second preseason game I think that was just like and like that's I think that's part of like what Dwayne's talking about with like don't take don't read too much into these preseason games because C is definitely going to be in the rotation come the regular season but uh because me he's been ex- because Dwayne's been experimenting because we're not really sure what the set rotation is going to be quite yet um makes sense to not really see uh where svi is at but svi because he's the best shooter on the roster should absolutely play a like 25 plus minute a night role for this team um the other thing i'm gonna say on the subject of like the shooting guard rotation is uh uh, everything I said about Svi also kind of applies to Wayne Ellington, and that's why it wouldn't surprise me if we see a lot more Wayne Ellington than uh, than we'd like to see this season. That's not to say Wayne's bad; uh, he's not. But uh, if you kind of combine all the, the the familiarity and the trust that we talked about with Daylon Wright and the uh, like, potential shooting ability we we talk about with Svi, you bring together those two things, and that's basically what Wayne Ellington offers. And so it shouldn't be surprising to see a lot of Wayne Ellington. Um it's a little disappointing. <laughs> you you'd like to see um maybe some more lineup flexibility, which we're actually we're, we're going to talk about lineup flexibility a little bit later. You'd like to see a little bit more youth and length out there, especially since the team is most nights going to lose or or be bad. But uh yeah, spacing this team is so starved for spacing and spacing is so beneficial for development that, uh, I think we see, uh, way more Wayne Ellington than we'd like. I don't think Wayne plays like 25 minutes a night. I don't think he plays that much, but like, definitely like 12 minutes a night, every night, like, (laughs) which is still like, you know, uh, 12 minutes that could be going to somebody else, but you know, it is kind of what it is with, uh, with Wayne. Um, so yeah, Wayne Ellington going to be in the rotation. Don't be surprised. Um, Oh, it's the, oh, the other thing that Casey mentioned about, uh, the off guard next to Killian Hayes. So in, in that kind of starting shooting guard, uh, battle is defense. Uh, Dwayne Casey said that Killian Hayes is like really good defending the pick and roll, but Casey wants to see if Killian can chase shooters coming off screens and, and do some stuff like that. Uh, this makes sense. Killian never really was asked to, uh, be, uh, like kind of like a, an off ball, like uh, to navigate screens off ball like that in in Europe, um, he most of the time was guarding the other team's point guard, and so he you know learned how to navigate pick and rolls. We've seen in uh, both preseason games actually that Killian is not a is uh, not an immediately like terrible defender at the NBA level. He was quite good in the second game, but uh, and made you know rookie mistakes across. Both preseason games, Uh, typical rookie stuff like ball, ball watching, basically Um, he's he's he will get stronger and he's pretty strong right now. And he's got a good frame. But um, I'm I'm thinking of like one play where he went over on Alfred Payton and that kind of like opened up the entire lane. And I think the Knicks got like a dunk out of that possession. And so like he he needs to do a better job uh, occasionally of knowing his personnel. They were going under on Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. all night. Um, So there's no reason to like change or chase Alfred Payton around a screen. Um, But yeah, and and there aren't too many guys in the league that Killian's going to have to like chase around screens and stuff. Uh, Maybe if maybe that's a uh, uh, Casey's alluding to the fact that Killian Hayes might be, might be guarding Bradley Beal in tonight's tomorrow's uh, preseason game. That would be, that'd be a rough, like welcome to the NBA moment for, for Killian Hayes. But uh but yeah, and, um, and right now I think there is more comfort with Daylon Wright defensively than uh, Svee. Especially if um, Killian's chasing guys off ball, then uh, you'd expect Daylon Wright to hold up a little bit better on ball than Svee. Now that's not to say Svee was a bad defender, because he absolutely like wasn't. He was a good team defender uh, last year. That's just a reminder of like the fees, like physical limitations with the negative wingspan and everything that uh, Wright is just going to do a better job of holding his own um, on that end, you know, to that end, that's also kind of a reminder of how much everything starts with defense with, with Dwayne Casey. I am very glad that a lot of the rookies are uh, defensive minded or, um, you know, not, initially terrible on defense because otherwise they would not be playing (laughs) and as frustrating as that as that is with the the make them earn their minutes mentality it's uh it's good to it's good to see rookies that aren't uh bad defensively and (laughs) um and and such Dwayne Casey will play them uh what was the next thing oh now I want to talk about the positional flexibility um you know the Pistons have a lot of you know guys between six six and six eight for the first time in what feels like forever this is something that i've talked joyously about uh, on the podcasts and and so you would expect to see like some experimentation you know with those lineups you have so much flexibility that enables you to do stuff like switching all switching lineups or being able to play uh smaller lineups but casey made a really good point actually in uh the press conference he said that um they won't be experimenting with a lot of that right off the bat because they didn't have a lot of time to get um, like their base stuff installed um, defensively. Um, you yeah, know, that makes a lot of sense. Like you, even if you have lineups that are smaller, like that's not going to be your, what you roll out all the time when you uh, sign Mason Plumlee to $8 million a year and bring in Jaleel Okafor, like you, you brought those guys into play. And so it makes a lot of sense that we're not going to see, some of those smaller lineups, they're going to focus on uh, base defense with actual centers, and uh, and go from there. Uh, that does kind of kill some of the hope I had for Jeremy Grant at center lineups. Those were some interesting and fun lineups we saw um, from the Nuggets last year with Grant at center, um, or even just in you know, there were the possibility of uh, Jeremy Grant. And Blake Griffin being the only two uh, big men on the court at the same time. That was always really interesting to me. Could run something like a Jackson Blake Grant or or Seku Blake Grant. But uh, with Casey's uh, insistence on them getting the base level defense stuff down pat, it seems like we won't see that stuff as much. And that is... That's fine. I mean, like, it's not like Jeremy Grant needs the, the reps to play a uh, small ball center. Um, it's not like the Pistons will really need to go small in a playoff setting or something like that. Um, it's just, it's just, you hope to see like a different look that they'd be able to pull out uh, on occasion. But um, yeah, like the, and you know, that's not to say it will never happen. They said, like, once they get the base stuff installed, right, like, you know, we get 15, 20 games into the season and they're comfortable with where things are at, you know, 15, 20 games into the season. Like, maybe we do start to, start to see more experimentation, more uh, more uh, experimentation with, with lineups with those size and versatility we talked about. You know, it's, it's a long, regular season. There's a lot of time to experiment. The, uh, the roster could change. Um, and so you, you could, uh, you could have a situation in which uh, it makes a lot more sense to, to go smaller. Um, you could have different matchups. There will be teams uh, uh, that you'll play against that it will be advantageous to go smaller against just because they play smaller. And so, like yeah, I think there's, there's a possibility we see some of those lineups as the year go, goes on. It's just not the uh, priority of the team right now, which I think is, uh, it's a little disappointing, but like, it's. The, the rationale makes sense, so uh, it's fair. You know, a lot of this is focused on Jeremy Grant and what he has to offer. Um, and so I wanted to, and, you know, Grant has kind of already become a lightning rod among the the fandom. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about Grant and, and what he's got going on. Um, just watching the preseason games, like obviously he did not. Play very well in the first preseason game and uh, played only marginally better uh, in the second. But uh, I think he did a lot of, of nice things in, in the second preseason game. You know, I think he, he showed why the Pistons would be, like, why the front office would be interested in giving him those uh, potential reps to see if that's something that he can, in fact, like, do. Um, there was like one move he pulled off early in the third quarter of the second game where he had like a million dollar move and a 10 cent finish and he missed the layup. And like every, I rewound that play like four times. Cause I couldn't figure out how he missed, uh, that layup, but the ease with which he was able to, to get to the rim is like that. That's what you're looking for right like it's it's not it's much harder to teach guys to be like as as long and as strong and as athletic as as athletic as Jeremy Grant is than it is to teach Jeremy Grant just how to like have more craft around the rim uh and so like you know there was some of that um Grant made uh his his catching she made some catch and shoot threes as well uh in in game two he made one off a of busted uh Mason Plumley play that uh still can't believe that play worked. Um, and then he had a couple more, uh, relatively like open attempts that, um, is just like luck of the draw. Killian hit him with one, like great, uh, skip pass to the corner, uh, out of a, out of like a high pick and roll. Then he just, he just missed a shot. But like you, if he makes that shot, like that's, that's great offense. And so you, you kind of learn to live with that. The thing that, I keep seeing with, so I see two things that they're doing with Jeremy Grant that I'd like to see them continue to try and, and work out. And that's having Grant, uh, having Grant and Blake do like DHO stuff with one another. This is reminiscent of like the, the Blake Andre pick and rolls that we used to see. Um, Only if, you know, only if Andre was like who he always kind of wanted to be and could initiate his own offense. Like, getting getting to like two bigs aren't used to uh aren't used to switching aren't used to having to communicate like that um pulling pulling like both big men or pulling a lot of big men kind of out onto the perimeter makes the defense uncomfortable um both blake and jeremy grant are good enough three-point shooters that you do actually have to like pull guys out uh, from the paint or from like from the from help to uh to be ready to like rotate to them to defend blake is a good enough passer that you don't want to just like give blake a driving lane because he'll be able to find guys uh off the dribble um and and grant isn't a good enough passer to to do that yet but he is more athletic than blake at this point in his career and so you don't want to give him the lane because like if you give jeremy grant an open lane to the rim he's just gonna dunk on you Right. Like we we talked a little bit about how he like he uh, it's hard to it's easier to teach Jeremy Grant how to finish. But like if you give him a clear lane, he's just going to use his athleticism and dunk. So that that's what that is. Um, And so, yeah, we see some of that stuff in a motion offense. Right. Like we see uh, the you see them like initiate stuff where Grant starts in the corner. um, They give the ball to Blake on the wing. They do a dribble handoff and like let Jeremy come off uh, and attack downhill with to his right hand. Um, I'd like to see more of that. Um, I'd like to see, if you see Blake initiating, you see, uh, Blake running like pick and pops with Jeremy Grant. Um, if Grant is going to be matched up on small forwards and, and, uh, they run like a, an action together and they switch that all means all of a sudden Blake can take a smaller guy into the post and the Pistons generally get pretty good offense out of that. Um, Grant is a, is a pretty good cutter. Um, he's gotten, gotten used to being a cutter after all those years in Denver And so, uh, if Blake is, you know, posting up and, uh, looking for cutters, he's able to find Grant, um, same thing with Mason Plumlee. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, if they run, like if you run a pick and pop action with, uh, Blake and Jeremy Grant and Grant like dives hard, uh, Blake's a good enough pull up three point shooter. Then defenses have to respect that, but, uh, he's a good enough pull up shooter to make some of those looks, Right. And so if the defense kind of you mess up, both guys go with Grant. Great. Blake is uh, totally comfortable taking a step back three and and knocking it down, uh, especially from like the top of the key. And so, like, yeah, there's there are ways to to make the the Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant uh, two man game like work Um, and for Jeremy Grant to produce uh, quality offense like Wally's on the court. The other thing uh, we saw a little bit of that I'm hoping we get better results from in time is uh, post offense from Jeremy Grant. I talked a little bit about this on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, but yeah, like they they got Jeremy Grant some post mismatches, uh, especially in the second game or maybe it was this ad. Don't remember. They're kind of bleeding together at this point, but uh, yeah, there were a couple times where Jeremy Grant was you know matched up with like Alfred Payton and and couldn't really uh, get to his post offense. And that was that was definitely rough to see, but you expect that as Grant gets deeper into the year and gets more familiar with like having the ball in that position, that that gets better. There was some practice footage of Grant, you know, knocking down like turnaround seventeen footer after turnaround seventeen footer, and while that is practice footage, and that isn't exactly the shot you want to get from an offense. Um, like the whole point of bringing Jeremy Grant in is to see if he can do some of that stuff consistently or not, and yeah, so like, and, but in order to see it, you you gotta try it, you gotta make it, uh, you gotta make it happen, and so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jeremy Grant uh, in the post uh, more often this season. Um, that sounds, I know that like makes a lot of people kind of frustrated. Um, just cuz like you think post offense is not good offense but if it's if it's a mismatch you can make you can make uh, you can make it work you can make a fine offense out of it um, it also gives grant an opportunity to grow his playmaking chops um, i don't think he'll ever be like the the passer that that Blake is but if he can but if he's a, a good cutter and he recognizes open space without the ball you would hope that you can recognize open space like with the ball in his hands and be able to get guys uh easy looks that way so yeah like i i i'm not ready to give up on jeremy grant after two preseason games it kind of seems like some people are uh just because like you know he's a very highly paid free agent and uh you expect more immediate uh easily viewable statistical production from your highly paid free agent. But, uh, yeah, man, Jeremy Grant, is just, uh, it's, he was, he was brought in to, uh, uh, develop into something he's not currently, despite the fact that he's 26 going on 27 or whatever. And so like, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna take some time to see if he can or can't do these things. And if he can't, if he ends up not being able to do some of this stuff, then like, that's fine too. You just, uh, he kind of diminishes role in the offense and he goes back to being an elite level role player and that's fine. Uh, the other thing to think about with Jeremy Grant is uh, you got to remember the the long-term or the, I don't know if it's the long-term plan, but uh, the plan is that like Jeremy Grant won't play forever with Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin won't be on this team, on this Pistons team forever. And so I talked about this a little bit in the like immediate aftermath of the signing, but Jeremy Grant makes a lot more sense on this Detroit Pistons team if there's no Blake. And I know I just gave you like seven minutes on how I'd like to see Blake and Jeremy Grant work together. But yeah, if Jeremy Grant's just like at the four and uh, can is like running pick and rolls with Killian Hayes more often and is uh, spotting up and making life uh, difficult for for uh, small wings that way, like, everything that Jeremy Grant does is, uh, is better at the four spot. And so if he gets to play his natural position because Blake's not there, that's that's also fine. But that's that's a long-term thing. That's not a short-term thing. Um, and so we have to be patient on that as well. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for Grant to develop some of his game uh, offensively. We're looking for him to get more comfort in situations he hasn't had a chance to to be in before. And if that doesn't work, we're looking for him to return to his natural position when Blake's traded. The wait is finally over. Football is back you may not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season because lord knows if you're a lions fan there are not going to be that many opportunities for you to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to comscore indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly say that three times fast that you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts and now indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resume resumes on indeed match your draw criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only job site that can move just as fast as you do right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollars credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's their best offer available anywhere. You go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, next thing I uh, wanted to talk about was Seku's role and uh, how he's looking. Uh, it's, I think, uh, it's interesting to go from Jeremy Grant to Seku Nubuya. We saw a little bit of this after the game, right? Where uh, because Seku did such a good job of um, scoring off cuts and just making shots and, and you know operating within the flow of the offense, it was easy to make the joke. is like, hey, Jeremy Grant, like look at what Seku's doing and just do that. But I think I think the opposite is true, right? I think they uh, they brought in Jeremy Grant to be an example for Sekou on on defense, right? It's really easy to look at what Jeremy Grant's able to do on defense and just say like Sekou, like go do that. Um, we've seen a lot more uh, aggressiveness from the Pistons in their preseason games we've seen them experiment more on defense. We've seen some trapping, we saw some 2-3 zone, we saw some straight man. We saw the the base kind of drop coverage that we're we're used to seeing. And uh but the thing that I think differentiates the the Pistons on defense is just like the length and athleticism that they didn't have on the roster before, right? Like uh, if you're playing lineups with Blake and Grant and, and Plumlee, like that's a lot of, uh, of size and, and arms. When you see, uh, when you see Killian, Killian does a great job off ball of kind of like stunting, uh, to help and and recovering using uh, his length to kind of like disrupt ball handlers who are driving and be able to, to close back to shooters with the, with hands up. I know, I know Dwayne Casey loves that. Um, and that was something that I think Seku did a magnificent job of in his uh, in the second preseason game. Um, we we all look at the highlight plays, right? There was the uh, there's the steal on the inbound that turned into a fast break layup for for Seku. There was the Mitchell Robinson block, which was extremely surprising, just because like uh, Seku is not like Seku's not. Uh, Mitch Rob is skinny and Seku is skinny, but like you, say you just thought like Mitch Rob would be just kind of bigger than him, and that didn't ended up not happening. And like that was, I was amazing to watch it in real time uh, that go down. But uh, but yeah, I don't know if you remember like all of Seku's rookie year, but he was not always the most uh, interested off ball defender. He was not always the most attentive off ball defender, and so it's uh, it's really easy for him to have a playing example of what he's supposed to be doing, uh, defensively in front of him in Jeremy Grant. Like Jeremy, if you watch Jeremy Grant on defense, his activity level is off the charts. He's always like, he's always in passing lanes. He's always challenging shots. Um, he's always kind of flying around and and wreaking havoc. Uh, he's not, Jeremy Grant's not really rebounding, but, uh, that's okay. And that's a, it's a big concern of my uh, podcast co- co-host Ben Gulker on the uh, Detroit Bad Boys podcast, but I'm not uh, overly concerned with that. Um, and that's I think that's one area where we have seen a lot of focus from Seku is is on the glass. Seku has been a pretty good rebounder, uh, especially on the defensive glass in his uh, is relatively like short minutes in the preseason. And uh, you'd love to see that, just because um, that's going to need to. That's going to be something that's really important to the coaching staff, and that's going to be something that's going to be needed to uh, to keep up um, for the sake of the team because of their their weaknesses rebounding. But yeah, you look at Seku's activity level on defense, and you look at what he was doing. He was doing a good job of stunting. Uh, he was good doing a good job of kind of like uh, unfurling his wingspan. Um, he had some struggles with uh, Julius Randle in the post, but like that's the that's the problem when you're like a skinny 20 year old versus Julius Randle. Julius Randle's gonna big boy. A lot of people in the post. I'm and uh, Julius Randle doesn't. A lot of people don't play through the post like Julius Randle does. So I'm not worried about that a lot. But yeah, like Sekou was just active and intense on defense in a way that I think is beneficial to him seeing more time in the rotation. But the thing everybody loved, of course, was his offense. Uh, we loved the ability to, uh, you know, cut very instinctual cutter Seku is, but I, I want to, I want to warn you guys just eat like, yeah, as I, I mentioned this, like even live, but it was, it was just way more apparent on rewatch. Seku was doing a great job of just victimizing Obi Toppin and Julius Randall on back cuts. Um, and Julius Randall, we talked about how his, uh, he's really strong in the post he is not the most uh, attentive defender I've ever seen. There were some uh, tweets from our uh, colleagues at the Knicks Wall, the uh, Blue Wire, uh, Blue Wire Bros, Kyle Maggio last week. Um, I don't think it was him tweeting it, but there's some uh, there's some tweets about like Julius Randall, uh, one just kind of like spacing out. When Sekou, like, cut behind him and then kind of complaining to whoever he was uh, supposed, uh, allegedly, like, supposed to be his help and getting, like, looks of confusion. Like, no, man, like, you you were kind of just supposed to keep track of your own guy. And uh, he kind of didn't. And, and that happened, you know, multiple times. Um, Obi Toppin is a, a rookie and a very explosive vertical athlete, but he also doesn't change direction all that well. And so it's a little bit easier for him to get got on backdoor cuts as well. Um, and Toppen also like likes to go for blocks. And so you saw Toppin. Um, I think Toppen even like fouled Seku once when he was kind of like he's loading up to get ready to, to try and block the shot, and uh, Seku kind of like wrong footed him and uh, turned, you know messed up his timing, and so uh, he had to resort to a foul to to stop him. But yeah, like uh, that is I say all that to say like Secu had a good game in game two. He made uh, a, the pick and pop three he had with Derrick Rose for his first or second basket. Like that, you love to see that. Um, that's how Secu gets involved in the offenses through through the pick and pop, especially if he's going to be playing a lot of four um, for the Pistons off the bench this season. He had a nice corner three in uh, in the half court. Yeah, you saw him get out and run the run the break. Got to the free throw line. He's gotten to the free throw line like more a, a noticeable amount of times um, for him uh, over the course of the last couple of games. Um, and you you want to see him playing offense like that? It's just like it's not going to be against uh, Julius Randall and Obi Toppin every night. But what he is doing, he can continue to do, especially if. Uh, especially against bench lineups. So if he's in the, if he keeps out of the starting, uh, starting lineup. If teams continue to kind of key in on what Derek Rose is doing, because Derek Rose uh, looks fine, physically looks great, um, has always, you know, has a reputation of being a downhill uh, attacker in the pick and roll of, uh, you know, causing havoc that way. Um, if Seku can kind of play off of Derek Rose, I think he'll have more uh, success offensively this year. Um, you know, that's, that's the pick and pop three I talked about a little bit earlier. That's, um, attacking rushed closeouts off of Derrick Rose's penetration, which is what got, uh, his first basket, I believe. And then, um, but that, but what that isn't notably is that's not like Sekou initiating his own offense, which is where a lot of his value is going to lie. If he's going to be an elite level player, he's going to have to generate his own offense. And so, uh, I think a lot of fans are, they want to see that they want to see his improvement as a ball handler, just because that's how Seku gets to, gets to an elite level. And for now, I'm not going to worry about that too much, right? Like I want Seku to have success this season. I think, um, having a great platform of success for Seku to build on for next year will be really important. Um, and i do think that we're at a point right now where if Seku like tries to take guys off the dribble or tries to create for himself in the mid range or just drives into the defense uh, uh, a set defense without an advantage I don't think he'll have success consistently and I think it's more important for him to succeed than it is for him to um to to for uh, it's more important for him to succeed for, than it is for us to see him uh do those things um, I have no doubt that Sekou's like working on that stuff in the off season, working on that stuff in practice every, every day. Um, you know, that's a lot of what we, a lot of what we saw in the, in the workouts from France was like him working on his ball handling and finishing and, and self-creation just cause, you know, that's easy stuff to work on. But, uh, but yeah, that's not, that's not really what he needs to do to have success, uh, this season. And so I hope Pistons fans kind of keep that in mind. Um, as we worry about whether or not like Siku's standing in the corner too much is that like, they, they didn't bring like his, his job is not necessarily to like Jason Tatum it up, right? Like his, his job is to be a smart off ball cutter, make some open shots, play effective defense, turn his defense into offense in transition, which I think is, is like a really big, that'll be a big motivating factor for him is to, is to do that, to get easy baskets and, uh, and kind of play off of Derrick Rose and that that's, those are the important things. And I think he'll be able to, to do those things. Uh, last big thing is Josh Jackson and, uh, Sadiq Bay. Um, two guys who had, um, very impressive performances across the, uh, two preseason games. Uh, Josh Jackson really impressed me in the second game. He went three or five from three, and like obviously that helps a bunch. But uh, I really like his activity level. I really like his activity level on defense. Um, I really liked the uh, the transition uh, opportunities he was able to get uh, across the uh, across the couple of preseason games. Uh, you love the length. You love the uh, athleticism. We talk more. I've talked more about length and athleticism in the last couple of weeks than I've like feel like I've ever talked about with the Pistons. But, uh, and, and Jackson contributes to that, obviously. And so, uh, and, and you'd like to see more of it, but it was also like very noticeable what I didn't see from Josh Jackson. And that was a little, uh, push shot runner floater things that are just like not great shots, but that are shots he's always liked to take. Um, I think having Josh excise a lot of the poor shot making is, is going to be really important for him. Uh, this year, and uh, having him take fewer bad shots allows him to leverage his playmaking and be more efficient, and I think that's good. Um, Sadiq Bey didn't really play as much the uh, the second preseason game, but uh, I just do want to like you know come around and give credit to him again. He was much better uh, as a as a self creator than I envisioned him being. Um, we all liked the the pull up mid range shot that he had in the first game. I really liked the move he put on R. J. Barrett to finish at the rim in the second game. I think that's that's the kind of move that we'll see. Um, that's like a really good like base uh, like a baseline level move for him to build upon. That if he can do more stuff like that, I think that'll be really great. Um, that was a move that uh, it wasn't like. Yeah, S- Sadiq doesn't have like the like flashiest handle. He's not like the most like creative ball handler he's not like and he's not uh like violently explosive where he's just like blowing past people to to get to his spots but he's a really intelligent ball handler right he was able to like kind of use rj's like balance against him and finish around him uh, in that way and because Sadiq is so big and strong and has a great frame and is uh is a really threat threatening shooter like teams are going to be off balance against him right they're going to rush to be closing him out um and and so he can get into advantage situ- situations and taking fit and uh, take advantage of those situations. So I have uh, a lot of, uh, I'm encouraged by what I see a lot of with a lot of those guys in the wing rotation with Josh Jackson and Sadiq Bay. I'll be very curious to see how those minutes kind of get distributed in the final preseason games. Um, when we, if you loop kind of like all the way back to our earlier discussion about Wayne Ellington, um, if Sadiq, Proves himself to be a consistent uh, three-point shooter. If he shoots like he did in, from three in the first game, basically, I think you will end up eating a lot of those Wayne Ellington minutes. But we need to see that consistently at the NBA level. And uh, Sadiq is also not like the the movement shoot, shooter that Wayne is, and that offers like a little bit more of a uh, of a shooting element to a Pistons uh, to a Pistons offense than uh, than Sadiq does. But uh, yeah, and and for Josh Jackson, I think it's just just keep doing what you're doing, Josh. Man, like uh, I don't think Josh will ever uh, start. Like especially if uh, Blake is on this team and Jeremy Grant's playing the three. But if Josh just continues to you know be as aggressive and uh, athletic as he was on defense with the with the arms and the length, and uh, get out in transition, and if he continues to make his open threes. Um, he'll, he'll have a great, uh, great home in Detroit. Um, Josh, uh, he did, he did kind of ruin a couple of perfect pinpoint, uh, Killian Hayes passes. And so I, I should, I, I want to mention that just cause like I think Killian only has like, uh, he only has like six assists over the, uh, two preseason games and he should have, he should have way more is just like diving dudes up and they don't make, they don't, they don't always make shots. And that's, that's the perils of, uh, assists is that you can create good looks for your teammates and they, they have to convert them. But like, I think that's something that will, uh, will happen sooner rather than later. All right, y'all, this was, uh, that was fun. It's, uh, I can't wait for the, uh, the regular season to start. Uh, the Pistons are killing me a little bit in the content sense by going, what, what, four nights, three nights, four nights uh, in between games. That's really rough. gives us way less stuff to talk about, but I think we managed to make it through. Uh, as always, I'm Lazarus Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Laz Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, you can also listen to my other podcast that I host, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this podcast on. Uh, you can read my work my writing my written work at uh at detroit bad boys detroitbadboys.com and uh, yeah this has been pistons versus everybody and we will talk to you guys next week take it easy